This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, we're in the battleground uh, today. It is uh, Wednesday, 12 October in the year of our Lord, 2022. We've got candidates today as we expand the battlefield. We've got issues today that are driving this uh, red tsunami. But I want to start off with the media and suppression and what's going on with candidates, etc. I've got RC from Project Veritas, but I want to start with the great Julie Kelly. Julie, uh, you've been probably, I think, the best watchdog over the FBI of anybody in all media, and particularly the right. Uh, and normally you're covering court cases or what they're doing, but you got a very disturbing piece up on American greatness about it looks like the, the big tech and the apparatus and suppression of information for the midterms. Can you walk through, take your time and walk through exactly what you found in your investigative report? Thanks, Steve. So this is based on the lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, and he is really uh, forcing the government's hand. He's suing government agencies and government employees to expose the collaboration between the government and big tech in terms of the pandemic, in terms of vaccines and the election. Well, he just uh, updated his complaint, and one of his defendants is a man named Elvis Chan. He is an assess assistant special agent in the FBI field office. He is a so-called cyber expert. Well, what Elvis Chan apparently really is, and this is based on my own research and what's included in Attorney General Schmidt's lawsuit, is that instead of overseeing and investigating the 300 plus Silicon Valley companies in his jurisdiction, what Elvis Chan really does is acts as a conduit between the FBI and big tech companies to tell them what speech, what posts, what information they should censor, they should suppress under the ruse of foreign disinformation or misinformation. And we see that this was successful, of course, in 2020 related to the reporting on Hunter Biden's okay, laptop. Okay, ho, 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 but slow down, slow down, slow down, hang on, hang on, slow down. I've got the Schmidt part of it, and Schmidt's now running for the U.S. Senate, um, and, and he's he's a hammer. I've seen this lawsuit. Make make the connection. Julie Kelly always brings the receipts. You got Elvis Chan as a field is the guy that runs the field office out there in Silicon Valley for the FBI. How do you then make the connection that he's just not that he's actually a coordinator feeding this different information? What what what? How do you back that up? So what the lawsuit alleges is that Elvis Chan was one of two FBI agents who communicated with Facebook before the New York Post uh, published its bombshell expose on Hunter Biden's laptop. Elvis Chan is named as one of the two FBI agents who communicated with Facebook officials. And as you know, Steve, and the world knows, especially after Mark Zuckerberg's interview with Joe Rogan in August, he again confirmed that the FBI reached out to him 
uh, to designate any coverage of this or uh, distribution of this as the effort of foreign malign actors attempting to interfere in the election. More important details in this lawsuit and Elvis Chan's own bragging is how frequently he is in communication with not just Facebook, but all social media platforms that he is the guy. And he said before the 2020 election, he was in contact with these companies on a weekly basis to warn them about what the FBI uh, predicted or had uh, designated foreign uh, election interference. And so he has, and now the other revelation that came out, Steve, is Elvis Chan goes back to the 2016 Russian uh, election interference hoax. His name has popped up several times and it's in my piece in the evidence collected by special counsel John Durham in the criminal case against Michael Sussman. Elvis Chan had direct communication with Michael Sussman, CrowdStrike, which was the firm that allegedly investigated the Russian hack into the DNC email servers, which we know also is a lie. But he was sort of helping the FBI, Michael Sussman and the DNC, and CrowdStrike. He was sort of helping or trying to give the FBI's imprimatur on the notion that Russian hackers were responsible for that breach, which of course we now know also is not true. So his fingerprints date all the way back to 2016, certainly 2020 suppression campaign of the Hunter Biden laptop information. And now he's saying that he is on the lookout for more misinformation or disinformation on social media platforms about the 2022 elections. Okay, let me go back to uh, to because uh, we were the people that, that broke it and actually got it to the New York Post and then of course War Room uh, carpet bombed the um the revelations for, by the chinese communist party of their financial influence peddling they did with the biden crime family the working but also all the perversion of of hunter biden and we were there when they called it a uh, russian disinformation understanding it was a total lie remember the audience the mainstream media has now backed this up a year and a half afterwards they've all new york times washington post have taken a year and a half and oh now now it's correct we knew it was correct at the time the new york post knew it was the correct at the time Murdoch's lawyers knew it was correct at the time. Everybody verified this and checked it out. Elvis Chan, he could not have done what he's doing now, but on the Hunter Biden laptop, he's such a senior guy. And they obviously would put a trusted asset out there to run that office. Is there any doubt in your mind that he had to have main FBI and senior level sign off on what he's been doing, ma'am? He absolutely did. And one of the other people who uh, communicated along with him with Facebook and other social media big tech oligarchs was Laura Demelo. She is a chief with this foreign interference task force that Christopher Ray put together shortly after his appointment in 2017. This is sort of the umbrella, Steve, the FBI's umbrella task force or operation um, that justifies warning media companies, social media companies, big tech, internet providers, that what they could be posting, that's true, um, but what they could be posting if it denigrates a Democratic candidate is some sort of misinformation. So she was with Elvis Chan when these communications, when this correspondence was happening in October of 20, 
uh, 20. So of course this has to have Christopher Ray's sign off um, and who knows who else in the FBI or DOJ. Because if you go back and look at the emails in October of 2016, for the Russiagate hoax, uh, the National Security Division, DOJ was involved in that as well. And so it would not be surprising if this NSD led by Matthew Olson, who is also the guy signing off on all of the government's motions for the raid on Mar-a-Lago, um, if Matthew Olson somehow is not involved either. And Matthew, Matthew Olson's the head of the, Matthew Olson's the head of the FBI. Our audience remembers Matthew Olson from the clips with Matt Gates. Matthew Olson, I think, is head of national security for FBI domestic, and he never knows anything. They ask him, "Where's the laptop? Where's this?" He he's uh, he doesn't know anything. D- d- I don't know. I don't. It's an ongoing investigation, or I don't know. This guy's never answered. Olson's never answered a straight question with a straight answer on any congressional hearing we've ever seen him. Am I too over the top on that one, Julie Kelly? Of course not. No, Matthew Olson is head of the National Security Division for the Justice Department. Uh, he would not answer any questions by Matt Gates or any Republicans who asked him questions. Um, but he did open up without any authorization or approval by Congress what he calls a domestic terror unit inside of the National Security Division. So you could see how all these operatives not only have worked together since 2016, uh, with the birth of Crossfire Hurricane and the birth of the Russia collusion hoax, um, but now still working together uh, just weeks before the midterms and setting up these same companies' regular traditional conventional media um, and, of course, the Democrats to portray any criticism of this election as a result of foreign interference. Real quickly, have you noticed, I noticed they're taking down McCullough, so they're really going out of the way to suppress anything about the vaccine. They're all over Naomi Wolf, they're all over Dr. McCullough, other people, it's it's like a jihad right now. Um, Have you noticed any other things about suppression that might have come from this this coordination between the FBI and social media? Anything that pops up uh, to your mind right now? Not so much related to the election, but we will see as all this information comes out about the vaccine and what has now been admitted uh, in uh, the European Parliament by a Pfizer executive that, of course, this, ha, 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 no, this wasn't supposed to stop transmission. Um, But look, this is why Eric Schmidt's lawsuit is so important. He gets into the details of how big tech worked with the government and now the Biden administration to suppress any criticism, kick people off of platforms, of course, that were critical of the vaccine, now once again exonerated. Um, So the big question now, this lawsuit really has some traction now. The judge is forcing, compelling the production of evidence. And we will see a lot more now that Elvis Chan and other FBI officials have been named as defendants, producing more evidence of uh, their collusion with big tech uh, to silence criticism of this regime. An important, life-altering decision such as forcing people to take this vaccine. Julie, how do people follow you on social media? How do they get to all your great reporting over at American Greatness? Thanks, Steve. I'm at amgreatness.com. I'm on Twitter at Julie underscore Kelly, too. I just covered a sentencing hearing for a family of five charged and pleaded guilty with parading in the Capitol um, and berated by Chief Judge Beryl Howell, if people are interested to see what these judges are saying to low-level 
uh, trespassers who happen to be Trump supporters, uh, but that's where people can find most of my coverage and my work. Julie, uh, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here as always. One of the best investigative reporters be out there. And every okay. and everybody should go to American Greatness every day. Fantastic, fantastic uh, site, new site. Okay, very honored to have one of the warriors over at uh, Project Veritas. Let's play the clip first. This is a classic. I guarantee you, you're going to want to play it over and over again, just as a study in how to do this. This should be taught in colleges for journalism. Let's go ahead and play it. They're now both currently hiding in bathrooms. Secretary Hobbs has ran. She doesn't want to discuss policy with me. You want to talk about comments um, Ms. Hobbs have made on camera, undercover camera? Mr. Wolf? Your candidate is currently hiding. You don't own this restaurant. She's currently hiding in that restroom. You want to talk to me about the statements your candidate has made on camera? He's a spokesman, isn't he? He talked about running from a debate. They're now both currently hiding in bathrooms. Mr. Wolf was here to save her. Now he's hiding in the bathroom. Secretary Hobbs is... Oh, he's out of the bathroom. Mr. Wolf is out of the bathroom. We're going to leave. There's a car right here. Considering your campaign drives around with an AR-15, don't you think rules for thee but not for me is problematic for someone running for state office? Would Katie support something like an assault weapons ban? If she could, yeah. I mean, that, the problem is that's a federal issue, right? There's nothing she could do about it. Right. At least let's bring in RC. Right? Let's bring in RC. Okay, let's bring RC Maxwell in. I can't tell you how classic this is. I've looked at a million of these over my time in this line of work. This is one of the, it's, it's not, it's not, it becomes funny, but it's funny because their actions. Katie Hobbs is running for governor. She won't get on a debate stage, RC. You tracked her down, and there's so many amazing human moments in that. She knocks down the drink, and she goes, hey, you knocked your drink down. You're just going to leave it for the crew to pick up? She goes into a bathroom and locks herself in, and then Mr. Wolf's there. Mr. Wolf's in the bathroom. Brother, I got to tell you, it's a classic. Tell us, she's got to have PTSD now. She'll never debate. R.C. Maxwell actually made it so that Katie Hobbs will never debate, never debate, Carrie Lake. Impossible. She's got PTSD from this. RC, talk to us about it. How did you get all this great footage? How did you do this? Really, well, this thanks, uh, thanks interview? Thanks for having me on, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, this is what we do at Project Veritas. We, we go the umpteenth mile in order to get comment and to get kind of the unadulterated truth from people running for state office, people who are elite. And in the case of Secretary Hobbs, she's already someone who is Secretary of State of Arizona. She holds statewide office. And look, you know, you've seen these kinds of interviews. I've done these kinds of interviews. James O'Keefe has. Um, 
sometimes people don't like to talk. Um, most of the time you'll see members of private enterprise, maybe a Pfizer executive who may run. We've never seen someone quite of the stature of Ms. Hobbs, someone who runs state office, secretary of state, actually run in this manner. Uh, recently, I uh, had an interview with Senator Murkowski of Alaska. She had the dignity and respect to answer my questions. And um, you may not like her answers, but she did that. Secretary Hobbs, on the other hand, we've kind of seen this trend from her, an inability to kind of uh, be an adult and, and, and face things head on. You know, they say when you run from your problems, you're running a, r a race you can't win. And in this situation, Secretary Hobbs is getting criticism from all sides, from not debating her opponent, Carrie Lake, for not talking policy. And I think we're seeing a bit of a glimpse why. Our undercover reporter was able to obtain footage of Ms. Hobbs discussing her disdain for talking policy, even with her own constituents in Arizona. So this is definitely an interesting time. This footage is taking off in Arizona. We have still yet to get a reaction from the candidate. She still has not commented publicly on this, although she did announce that she will be doing a one-on-one 30-minute interview with Arizona Public Broadcasting. So she'll speak with certain members of the media. But but but, but, but she's yeah, she's trying but she's trying she's trying to as like a debate cuz Carrie Lake's coming after us but not. Here's of the footage which is so stunning. When you sit down, you could be any news guy, you know, you could be with MSNBC or whatever. You put the thing and you say, hey, I've got a couple of questions about policy. What politician and state leader, and she's an executive, the secretary of state, who would not at least let you ask a couple of questions and then say she immediately, as soon as she sees you, she's running for the hills. In fact, knocks over, knocks over the Coke and doesn't even look back. She's just sprinting and gets nervous and then runs into a bathroom. Who does that? What elected official, what executive in the executive branch of Arizona would do that instead of sitting there saying, OK, take, you know, how many how tough are your questions going to be? I mean, you're going to ask, you know, about elections, you're asked about her running for governor or ask the typical th kind of things that reporters ask. It, what's so shocking, as soon as she sees you with the microphone, she's out. Am I wrong? Is that what it is? That what it, it essentially was when you were doing it in real time? Well, you know, uh, she was kind of startled before I identified myself as a Project Veritas reporter. And then once I did that, she definitely didn't want to have any any involvement in that. Look, you say this is what reporters typically do. This is what reporters traditionally do. But we're in a new world of media, Steve. You know this better than most. These elected officials, these elites, they have backroom deals with members of the media where they don't have to answer tough questions about policy. We are 30 days, we're less than 30 days out from a vote, yet we've still not seen a, a compare and contrast between the two individuals running for governor in Arizona. And Katie Hobbs is the reason for that. She will not debate Ms. Hobbs. In her mind, she says publicly she won't do it because uh, Carrie Lake is a liar, although wouldn't you want to expose a liar in a debate? Although privately, what we've determined is that Ms. Hobbs does not have an affinity for policy which asks you, why is she running for governor? Yeah. RC, uh, incredible. I, I will tell you, I know because I've been checking, it's going super viral in Arizona. This is going to have a big impact on the on the election because people are saying, why is this woman not, not going to debate? And then she won't even talk to a reporter. She runs and hides in the bathroom. If you want to be governor of a major state like Arizona, you can't be hiding in the bathroom from a reporter. RC, how do people follow you on social media? How do they find out more about your reporting? And I know you're going to be following up on this story. 
Well, obviously, like our other reporter, James O'Keefe, and our main account at Project Veritas, I am banned on Twitter. However, I am still on Instagram, and you can follow Project Veritas on Telegram to see our updates. Steve, I'm not going to give too much away, but um, you can read between the lines. All I'll say is that Project Veritas doesn't have any more reporters in Arizona in any campaigns we have no more reporters anywhere in the country. So if you're hiding information, please rest easy and let it all hang. R.C. Maxwell, thank you very much for joining us. Fantastic job out there in Arizona. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're going to make sure that thing is going super viral. And it's a, it's a classic. And by the way, if you're a young uh, person and you think about media, you should study that. That is a textbook. And that's how... James, over the years, has started to train these young reporters, these young tigers uh, with uh, Project Veritas. Just incredible. R.C. Maxwell, one of the best. Let's go to John Gibbs. I want to go to... John, here's a question I got for you. We're seeing this all over the country. These Democrats that don't want to embrace the Biden policies they vote for, that don't, they, they're running as moderate uh, Republicans or even MAGA in their, in their campaign ads. You're running against one of the ones that is, is basically the moral equivalent of Katie Hobbs. Tell us how it's going with the engagement. Or is, your, is, your, is your opponent still putting out ads with the, she's hugging a Bible, hugging a gun, uh, you know, sitting there with a big crocodile tears with her family? Or she st is she finally going to get up and start debating the debacle that the Democratic Party is and these terrible policies on economics, on border security, on crime, on all of it, sir? Well, you can believe she's trying to falsify who she is. She's trying to portray herself as a moderate. She is by no means a moderate. She is as far left as you get on every single issue. Uh, she ran a TV commercial trying to say that she wakes up in the morning and reads her Bible and drinks her coffee so she can be with her little boys. You know, we were thinking, well, how do you know their boys? What are their pronouns? You know, that's what her real reaction should have been on that commercial. So she's really hiding what she's all about. Um, and it's, it's quite ridiculous. People are seeing through it. We're getting the word out on it. And I tell people, look, this election in November is not so much Democrat versus Republican. What it's really coming down to is crazy versus normal. And I expect that people who are Republicans, independents, and as I say, all those Democrats to the right of Karl Marx are going to come over and vote for sanity and vote to take things back to normal. John, talk about, are, are, are they engaging with your campaign at all? Because we're seeing throughout the country where they don't actually want to stand on a stage or they don't want to engage in anywhere. Are they prepared to do actual debates with you or they still want to do these funky town halls or what the, the cute games are trying to play in Arizona? What, what is because people are dying to see you mano a mano with your opponent. Absolutely not. She is not going to debate. They turned on our two debates. We had two scheduled. We were simply waiting on her confirmation. Uh, we had everything ready to go and she turned down both. They do not want to debate. Um, she's trying to say that we didn't want to, which is totally false. We have the receipts. Um, so, yeah, she turned down two debates. They do not want to be on stage with me. All we're going to do is uh, be uh, very simple. Point out what she believes. Point out what she has said she believes. That will destroy her entire facade she's trying to portray of uh, being a moderate and show that she's really a far leftist. They don't want that. Neither they're going to get dismantled on stage. So she turned down both of our debate offers. I would love to do it. We're going to keep pounding them. We're going to keep trying to get them to come out and do it. They will probably say no, but um, I would love the chance to go on stage with her. But she has rejected it, uh, both debates that we had scheduled. Uh, John, how do people get to the campaign to find out more about you? How do they follow you on social media? And if they're so interested in volunteering or actually contributing, where do they go? VoteJohnGibbs.com. 
We're up against a Democrat big money machine. They're raising a lot. They're literally, the DCCC is having a fundraiser in Paris and Geneva, Switzerland. That's right. They're having fundraisers in France and Switzerland. Uh, that's what they're all about. Uh, so anything you can do to contribute, votejohngibbs.com. VoteJohnGibbs.com, $10, $25, $50, whatever you can do. Um, it'll be a great help to us in uh, going up against this globalist. It costs a lot of money to stay on TV and to run everything, so we greatly appreciate that. You can also sign up for our prayer list. And if you're local, you can sign up to knock doors for us. So VoteJohnGibbs.com, that's how we're going to defeat these uh, folks we're up against who are uh, simply extreme on every single issue. VoteJohnGibbs.com. I know we're going to force it one day again on stage review, and that's when it's all over. This this is a tight race and a tough race out in uh, Western Michigan. John Gibbs, thank you very much for joining us. As MAGA as Thanks you for having me, John Gibbs, I'll tell you, incredible, incredible individual. Let's go to Pete Hernandez. We're going to go to California. Uh, Pete, has your opponent agreed to debate you, sir? Has she agreed to get on the stage with you and take you on mano a mano? Funny you mention it, Steve. Uh, just saw her at a local event in Hollister, California, Farm Bureau candidate meet and greet. I went right up to her right when I walked in. I was a little late because I was campaigning all day. I was in three other cities. That was my fourth city. And when I showed up, I, I, I introduced myself and, and uh, basically said, uh, Ms. Lofgren, I know you received my letter asking for a debate. Would you be uh, willing to have that debate? Can we make that commitment today? And she she basically bolted right into the bathroom. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, when she came back out, I asked her a second time. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're breaking news here. Don't tell me she did the Katie Hobbs. She pulled a Katie Hobbs and ran ahead in the bathroom. Don't tell me that. It, she she did. She bolted into the bathroom. Uh, I don't know if I startled her. I don't know what happened, but somehow she just went straight to the bathroom. And I was patient. She came back out. I asked her again. She said, oh, yeah, there's a. We just have to schedule, right? It's just a scheduling thing. And I said, understood. So I, my, my campaign manager, my staff has been reaching out. And, uh, and fast forward, actually, we just had a candidate forum, which her own campaign manager considers supposedly a debate. But nonetheless, I went right at her and basically addressed the issues that my district is feeling. And I, I iterated that really clearly. At the end of the day, she showed up, she answered questions, and she left. I, I, I was the guy that I was one of the first ones there, shook a bunch of hands. It didn't matter if you were Democrat or Republican. I want to introduce myself. I want to let you know that I wanted to earn your vote. And after the end of the event, I was the last one to leave. As soon as she answered her questions, she left. She didn't give a chance even to engage the, the public and the, the voters that were there to interested to hear if she was ready to address these issues. Pete, hang on for one second. I'll take a short commercial break. We got a blockbuster story that's come from the great guys that open the book. Adam. And Drewski joins us on something you're not going to believe that your tax dollars are paying for. He's a specialist in it, but I got to tell you, this one, you're going to be plenty mad, and you should be. Next in the War Room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. 
go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash war room to install the unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, what we're seeing throughout the country is that these Democrats won't stand on stage and debate the MAGA Republicans. And here's the reason. They know that they've embraced the Biden radical agenda and they're going to get blown off the stage. You're going to lose even more than losing, and we're winning everywhere. Uh, some of these young uh, candidates on the rise are just incredible. Pete Hernandez. Pete, you wrote an incredible piece we have up in War Room about crime. Walk me through. Give me a couple of minutes on that. Highlight the travesty of the left. It's it's implementing these decriminalization laws, the defund the police movements, right? That's basically increased crime. You know, you have a one every nine minutes there's a crime in Santa Clara County, which is part of my district. And then you end you end up having obviously this even under COVID, right, where they released prisoners, uh, and ultimately it was supposedly to address COVID, but in reality, all it did was try to make it permanent to where they're just trying to empty out the prisons. And, uh, you know, between smashing grabs, no cash bail, all the all the things that are damaging our communities because there's no accountability. Right. And and to be clear, these are rules for us, but not for the elite, not for those that are in office. Right. My uh, uh, my my opponent, Zoe, has, actually has uh, officers basically standing guard around her home. She has a nice big house with walls and uh, big gates. Right. She has all the security in the world while we. While our community is suffering, so those are the things that make me passionate to fight for uh, for the average everyday do, American. Do, because do, things- do you think do you think when she saw you and ran to the bathroom and not debating you, number one, do you think she's showing disrespect to the Hispanic community? Do you think if you were white, this would be different? Is she d- doesn't consider you like a real candidate 
or you're not a real serious opponent because you're a Hispanic male? I don't think she takes the Latino community serious. Yeah, I, I, I do believe there's kind of this sentiment that somehow uh, the minority population she assumes to represent when she goes to Washington, but all she's doing is dividing us with her crazy policies that are, you know, like I said, the defund the police sentiment, the open borders policies, everything that Joe Biden, right, she's she literally voted 100% for his policies would have been a disaster for the safety of our public. I want, uh, by the way, tomorrow she's going to be, I guess she'll be Zoomed in or something for this hearing that nobody wants. They, the cable doesn't even want to pick it up at one o'clock, the J6, of what she's one of the big mouthpieces for. Uh, how do they get to, how does everybody get to your campaign final? Because you've made this competitive through just sheer force of personality and getting out there in the community. Where How do people track you, Pete? So they can go to HernandezForCongress.com. Uh, HernandezForCongress.com. Uh, just to kind of point out really quick, Steve, we have on October 22nd um, an, a big event, Values Advocacy Council is doing at Calvary Chapel. It's an all-American Latino event. We have big names from Lexit, Anthony Cavasa, who's a, who's a El American uh, reporter, and a lot of Latinos in the community. They're basically really interested. We're going to be talking about the issues, the very things that matter to our constituency. So HernandezForCongress.com, we need money. We need resources. We're grassroots. We, we're talking to every single voter. And with your uh, with the war posse, we could totally use their help. Yeah, and I want to get make sure to tell my uh, staff and the guys in Memphis, I want to get that up and we'll put it out on all our social media and up on our uh, site the 27th of October. Looking forward to that. 20, 22nd of October. 22nd, 22nd. Let me get there. Right. 22 October. Thanks, brother. All right. Thank you. Okay, we've had Adam and... Thanks, brother. We've had Adam Andruski on Andruski on many times uh, from Open the Books. I got to tell you, Adam, I don't think I've read anything that made me matter. And there are many things that you have put up on Open the Books, a show where people's tax dollars go, that make me mad. But this infuriated me, and I think it'll infuriate people to know where their tax dollars are going. Walk us through this latest investigative report that you've done, sir. So the Pentagon has K through 12 schools where they educate up to 60,000 children of our service men and women. You know, people signed up to defend this country. They have families. The kids go into these schools. And, and look, there's a $3 billion budget taxpayer funded that backstops these schools. So it's very expensive in terms of their education. They, in, uh, last December, for the first time, these K through 12 schools hired a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. And she's been fast-tracked. She spent two months as a DE, DEI specialist. They put her in as chief with tremendous responsibility, Steve, across the entire continuum. Here's how it was described. She's got input now into the curriculum, to the assessment of students, to the hiring of educators, teachers, and administrators, and also their professional development. So this is somebody that was handpicked. We found in our investigation that she promotes radical ideologies and she just may have crossed the line. She certainly blurred all the lines between her government position and multiple private entrepreneurial for-profit opportunities. What, what, what do you mean by that? Talk about the cross the line and talk about these opportunities. So in May of 2021, this is four months before she comes the, becomes the DEI specialist and six months before she's promoted into this powerful position as the DEI chief. So she addresses 
a Pentagon K-12 education conference. This is a taxpayer-funded platform. She puts up a slide. She's the author of books. Three of the books are on her slide. Her personal website, where she promotes her for-profit consultancy business in education, where she, where she charges schools up to $1,000 per session. She puts up her private Twitter handle. Okay, so right there, unless she had prior permission to do that, and that would be in what looks to be an exception to the Pentagon's rule, that would cross the line. We want that investigated. She's already un under investigation for her tweets that Fox News found disparaged white people. The DOD put her un under investigation for those tweets. Our 3,000 word investigation published on our Open the Book Substack account goes a lot deeper. It goes, goes into all, all of the blurring of the lines between what she's advocated and what she uh, and how she makes money with her private businesses outside of her full-time executive position at the Department of Defense. Talk to me about one of the shocking things in your piece, and we can get the piece up on, on the screen. It's the Talk to me about the titles of the books. Walk me through, because we have another situation, another investigation uh, from the great guys over uh, at the National File. Frankie Stokes is going to join us here in a second about these books. Talk to us about, she's author. Let's talk about her books. So 45 copies of her books are actually in the Department of Defense Education Activities Agency. That's the, the sub-agency that handles the K-12 through education. 45 copies of her books are in 11 school libraries. And this is interesting because many of these books have only been written in the, in the last eight months. Okay, so the, there are books on what is Black Lives Matter? What is white privilege? And on the cover of the book, it has a white hand way above the hands of black and brown hands. And then what is defund the police? And I looked at the defund of the police book as we did the other books, and it also has abolishing the, the police as an option. And you might think this is radical and crazy, and certainly to teach the children of our military service members that, you know, that abolishing the police locally is an option, but this is actually being run by the mayor of Austin, Texas, the capital city of Texas, who has floated that idea and hopes in the future that they abolish the police. What is for our audience, diversity, equity, and inclusion? For some of our audience that maybe doesn't follow this as closely, uh, is that what is a diversity? Why do you even need a diversity, equity, and inclusion? Particularly over at DOD, which is the, the Department of Defense and the military was always the, the first desegregated. It has always been the most even-handed. What is Absolutely. DEI and what what does it stand for? So... So it's diverse, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the best way to think about this, it's the opposite of what Martin Luther King advocated. So he advocated to judge people on the content of their character, not the color of your skin. A DEI coordinator puts skin color first. I, they also use terms, and this is very important to define for the audience. For instance, she says she's an anti-racist. We're all anti-racist. We don't believe in racism. We're against racism, 100%. It's a 99.9% .9 issue across the country. But then this is how she defines anti-racism. It means uprooting, it means uprooting, dismantling the current education environment and replacing it and creating it with something brand new. And 
And she uh, is in charge, of course, of professional development of the teachers and the administrators. And she says they, in her counseling session, she tells them that they haven't, they have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to support the quote unquote, her words, white dominated education environment. So she wants to rip down education in the K through 12 military schools as it is today and replace it and replace it along the lines of the ideologies and radical ideologies that she promotes. Talk to us. Is this one of the reasons I think that uh, that um, the army just missed the recruiting by 25 percent? Because you go in and you have your kids educated on these bases. And the next thing you know, you have these radicals that are all about, you know, um, making kids feel terrible about themselves. Uh, the stuff they did, no fault of their own, really turning into ideology versus teaching kids. What service member? Why? Why would you do this? Why would you go? Why would you bring your family into this? So, is this one of the reasons that you believe that uh, that just not morale, esprit de corps, but also recruiting is is through the floor, and that they blame it on video games and obesity? There's got to be something deeper than that to miss by that big a number, Adam. Yeah, you you bring up a, a great point, Steve. Look, in the military, K through twelve schools, it's top down. Uh, amongst the amongst the rest of the education establishment across the country in K through twelve schools, there's federal money and it comes with strings. Certainly, there's state money; it comes with strings. But there's a semblance of local control. You elect a local school board to make decisions. Not so in the military's K through twelve public schools. It's a top-down institution. And that's why this DEI chief, this Kalisha Wing, the, the uh, new position that they created just for her is so important. She's always been transparent about her beliefs, her principles, and her values. And she was picked specifically by the director, Thomas Brady of DODIA, the Department of Defense Education Activities Sub-Agency of the DOD, to, to mm. Uh, mm. in this powerful position, to pick the curriculum, Ridiculous. to do the assessments of the children, yeah. and then to be involved in the hiring of teachers and administrators, principals, and this, their regional superintendents, this, and their professional yeah. development. This is, That's this, why this is so troubling. This, this is an obscenity, and we're going to make her famous. Okay, we're going to make her famous. Real quickly, Adam, how do people, you do great work over there. How do they find out the site to get these reports, and how do they follow you on social media? So if you could put up the uh, link to our Open the Book Substack piece on Kalisha Wing and, and this agency, uh, Steve, make no mistake, she is under review, but she is a product of the system. She's never misrepresented herself. She's always been forthright in her be yeah. beliefs, and now she's being aggressively fast-tracked and promoted. Adam, thank you very much. We're going to stay on this story because it's so important to our servicemen and women. We're going to make sure that we set things right, as we say. So thank you. Thank you. Nas National Files, Frankie Stocks, we've had him on before. He's been doing some amazing investigative reporting. Also, Ann Tattis, an uh, activist. Frankie, uh, this one is quite disturbing. Tell us, and I want to tell the audience beforehand, it's disturbing because of the, the material you're going to talk about. Walk us through what this story is, then I'll bring Ann in. Hey, Steve, thanks for having me on. So in, uh, in Chesterfield County, Virginia, a five-year-old uh, young girl, a kindergarten student, was sent home from school with a 
with a copy of the book, I'm Not a Girl. The book is, is written uh, by, a, by a transgender teenager who, who went through this hideous procedure at an extremely young age. And it revolves around a young girl deciding that she's no longer a girl. The, uh, the cover image is a little girl staring longingly into a barber shop as a little boy gets his hair cut. At, uh, at another point in the story, the little girl herself is in the barbershop uh, getting a boy's haircut. The book was marketed directly to kids through a, through a display at the library, and it's com completely uh, unrestricted by age, no parental consent, no nothing. Uh, and this is, this is understandably, this has outraged the community and outraged the parents. National Files spoke directly with the father who, who told us that uh, the response from the school was basically, if you don't want your, your five-year-old learning about uh, the transgender movement, then you need to write a letter to the school expressly barring your child from checking out each individual book that you do not want, want her to read. Uh, they completely put the burden on the parents, dodged all accountability. Are you, or hang on, hang, hang on. You're telling me the Chesterfield school system, which is, I'm a, from Richmond, is one of the most renowned school systems, not just in the Commonwealth, but in the country. You're telling me a five-year-old brings this book home. Their parents are obviously shocked, as any parent would be. And the response they get is, you got to come and send a letter on each specific book that your child's not supposed to take out, or they're just they're going to be able to, to to look at all this literature. Was that the response from the school system? Yes, sir. Yes, it was. And. You know, this is uh, as as kind of as the eyes of the nation were on Loudoun County. Chesterfield has been has been operating under the same principles. They've been promoting hypersexualized material, pro-trans material to very small kids right through their school libraries. And this is something the National File is is digging into. And this is something that something that we're consulting with with local parents on because this is this is an issue that's got to get out to the public. Frankie, hang on for one second. Let me bring in Ann Tattis. And uh, how, you know, the parental rights movement, when you think about it with Governor Youngkin's campaign and MAGA coming up, and I mean, we had dozens of parents from Northern Virginia to down in Hampton around Fort Eustace. I don't know if we ever get any from Central Virginia, but this was the top of, this was top of mind. This is why essentially Youngkin won the governorship. How could this possibly be going on and how could the schools be so arrogant about the rights of parents and about the really the pornography that their children are seeing. Well, I can tell you, I was Central Virginia. You know, Keystone Acres was my first Governor Youngkin rally, and I was part of the getting the seven districts, so I was an integral part of it. And I had heard buzzings about what he had done before, and I, you know, I could walk up to him right now and say, "Glenn, we need to talk because what's going on." Can tell you, and I know in Loudon, it is by far um, scarier. Um, and our transgender policy is more radical than any other adopted point blank without question on August 10th, 2021. And we appreciate uh, the attention that National File has given us because we've been back here waving our arms for probably over a year now that this is on. And, there's so much focus on Fairfax and Loudoun that nobody else, I mean, the whole state is going through this. It's not just two counties and people need to know that. But, 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 but hang, hang, hang on for a second. 
th- this is my point. Glenn Youngkin rattled the entire nation, and quite frankly, Glenn's out in Governor Youngkin's out in ca- campaigning for Kerry Lake and Tudor Dixon. There's all kind of rumors and talk that he's thinking about running for president in 2024. This was why he was elected. I what's blowing people's heads up when I read Frankie's piece. I thought this was all put to bed. How could you no. be sitting there and telling us that the state school system is on fire with this radical transgender ideology? How's that working? He's lying. Like, um, so I'm loud on social media and I get a lot of attention and it's because I don't play political parties. I play for the children. This could have been solved when he went into office. I tell people he ran on the back of a transgender rape victim into office. If I was a Loudoun County parent, I would have a door like this on day two. And so I started making noise, going to board, the board of education meetings like I do every month. And people started, I had two people call me from within the department saying he's had the new policy that was in now. And so I started getting loud about that. And so all of this that's going on now is October. He's he was elected almost a year ago. And then there's comes up is that we know all over the state that have said we're not doing it. Has he once said we know he's not going to be. So at this point. Okay. And 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 we're having a, we're having a very tough time. You're coming in. Hang on. Hang on. You're having a very tough time. You're coming in and out. And we're running out of time. I'm telling myself we're gonna have to. We're, it's not enough time to reboot you, but we'll figure out how to get you on tomorrow's show. But we got to get that audio taken care of because you only every second or third word is is coming out. Frankie, how do you get to your social media national file? How do we get to Ann's? We want to follow up on this because I tell you, people are shocked. Everybody assumed that this was taken care of. This was like Glenn Youngkin's governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and to hear Ann Tadas, who's an activist. I'm one of these parental rights activists saying really nothing's been done is pretty shocking. How do you get to the national file? How do you get to the story you and how they get to Antetis? No, anyone can visit nationalfile.com where we're following these issues closely in Virginia, uh, around the nation. Uh, you can contact me on social media, follow me on social media, stocks 76, S T O C K E S seven, six. That's on Twitter, gab, getter, truth. So, and I would encourage everyone to uh, to reach out online, to connect online with Virginians for Children's First. That is Ann's organization, virginiansforchildrensfirst.org. And they are doing phenomenal work yeah. all over the Commonwealth. And Ann, we're going we're gonna to follow the story. We'll get back on it tomorrow because this has national political implication. I mean, Youngkin's run around for president saying that this thing's fixed in Virginia. We're hearing from a parent. One of the parent rights leaders that not we got a huge problem in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Okay, tomorrow we're going to be back on fire talking about the red tsunami that is building. But what you got to make sure is this red tsunami is going to work. Got to take care of these problems. See you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. in the war room.